welcome to The Big Deal, where we unlock the details and drama behind the business of sport in Australia and around the world. Join me, Warren Treadray, along with Andrew Montessi and our expert guests as we take you into the boardroom for behind-the-scenes access and analysis of contracts, negotiations, endorsements and much more. Subscribe to our show on your favourite podcast player and don't forget to sign up to www.thebigdeal.au for a weekly wrap of the latest deals, breaking news and many more exclusive opportunities. Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of The Big Deal. I'm Jack Hudson and joining me as always is AFL legend Warren Treadray. Treaders, how are you mate? I'm good, Hutto, and I wish I was uh, Lewis Hamilton because I'd be in the money, but I'm not. Oh, this is one of the biggest stories in probably sport history, let alone even F1 history. Like, this is outrageous for Lewis Hamilton to leave Mercedes after that amount of time and join Ferrari. So, what does this all mean, Treaders? Like, especially in the world of sport business, it's meant quite a lot. Well, it's, it means money. It means euros. It means pounds. It means US dollars converted to Aussie dollars. Let's face it. It, it is the biggest story because you talk about the big stories that come out of F1s previously have all been sort of racing related or, or, or um, you yeah, know, the, the late, no, sorry, not late, but the, uh, Michael Schumacher and the incident he had while um, skiing, which, mm. you know, wasn't great. You know, go back history, you look at Ayrton Senna um, passing away on a track after a crash. But this is the business of sport and this is massive considering some say Hamilton's past his best, others say he's ready to strike. His um, Mercedes the last couple of years hasn't been competitive, which is fair. But to jump over to Ferrari and effectively join Charles Leclerc on the grid of two number one uh, drivers mm. pushing themselves, we haven't seen that since Elaine Prost and um, Ayrton Senna at McLaren many, many years ago. So um, I think this really shocked the F1 world. Um, it certainly shocked Ferrari's share price, which increased 6% instantly, mm. You know their value rising to $6.12 billion. Um, you talk about share price you know, hit record highs of $588 on the New York Stock Exchange um, with companies value increasing of around $105 billion. So this is just absolutely ridiculous in terms of what they're about able to do. And it's really smart business from Ferrari because, yeah, sure, he wants to be successful on the track. But when you talk about the pulling power um, of, ha- of um, Lewis Hamilton, it is absolutely huge. So... You know, we talk about Ferrari, they're closing on a market valuation of $100 billion US dollars, and they're going to crack that very soon considering Hamilton's early effect, if anything, is to go by. You, know, you talk about multiple publications, including Crash.net, are reporting Hamilton could be paid a whopping $100 US million. So it's $153 million as part of this new deal. Mm. Now, huge salary, but this includes sponsors, image rights, bonuses, now, his current Mercedes deal, which he'll continue to drive this year, obviously he's, he's got an opt-out clause in that. So he, he joins Ferrari from 2025. But his 2024 deal, which is about to, obviously, the, the racing season's about to start soon, is $84 million Aussie per year. It's almost half. Yeah, it, it's it's huge money. Like, and you look at this move to Ferrari, you know, as I mentioned before, it comes to a break clause in his contract in the two-year deal he signed last season. It allows him to leave at the end of 24. Ferrari's just swooped in. And, and they reckon only four people knew who this what was happening. They did ask Charles Leclerc for permission. I have seen that reported overnight. He was really excited about what it could bring. Obviously, if you're bringing in um, 
Hamilton, you're bringing in resources with Hamilton. And there's a lot of talk too, is that he's got 12 months to effectively go and poach and bring whoever he wants from around the grid. Um, and that would include them probably having gardening leave on their contracts to join him in 2025 at Ferrari. So he's not coming like um, I think Kemi Raikkonen did many years ago to Ferrari with just rocking up and using their people. He's able to bring a clean slather. It's almost like we, we love our Premier League, Otto. And mm. it's almost like Jose Mourinho, when he goes, he takes his team. When he gets sacked, he takes his team. And this yeah. is very, very similar. So he's obviously going to replace uh, Carlos Sainz at Ferrari. Um, so he'll be on the, the market. Um, he re- he joins uh, and partners Leclerc, which would be amazing. And uh, geez, you're, you're just going to see how um, um, Monza Grand Prix and the Italian Grand Prix are going to be phenomenal next year. But you know, with this too, is a sad end for the people who have who's effectively been an 11 year association with Mercedes, which began in 2013. And during that time, he's won six titles, including four in a row between 17 and 20. So, you know, and if you compare the Mercedes offer, Hardo, th- these numbers mm. are huge. Yeah, so he wanted a three-year extension of Mercedes in the ambassador role, and Mercedes only wanted to give him one and no ambassador role. Ferrari gave him what he wanted. It's just simple, simple decision. They gave him what he wanted. Well, it's amazing, isn't it? Uh, and I, I reckon they'll they'll live to rule it a little bit too, because if we look at his pulling power, and this is the bit that you, you know we don't understand until you look into the numbers. Um. His value has been worth billions to Mercedes over that 11-year journey. So 2013, they were valued, Mercedes, F1, valued at $389 million. Ten years later, they're valued at $3.8 billion. No worries. That's 877% increase, right? And sure, that's happened a lot. Probably not that same percentage, but all the other teams have been valued more because F1's TV rights is more and there's more races and... Um, the money they're banking, you look at their Netflix documentaries, broken them up to a new audience. But on the day of joining Ferrari, Ferrari gained 232,000 Instagram followers. Yeah. They gain less than that in a month normally. Yeah. So, you know, and, and even the F1 um, governing body's Instagram post of Hamilton joining Ferrari was their top post. And it got 330 million social impressions. That's just out of this world. One big name makes a huge difference, like we reported on Lionel Messi's social impact as well into Miami when he joined there, and as well as working with the Adelaide 36ers, like seeing the impact of Kai Soto and his um, Filipino fan base too was unbelievably phenomenal to just see what one person can bring in terms of profile. Yeah, it's absolutely massive. And as we've seen, it probably for the first awareness I ever got was when David Beckham left. Um, he left Manchester United for Real Madrid. I think he paid for himself in jersey sales in the first three months. Um, his deal was huge. He was one of the Galacticos that Florentino Perez, the uh, Real Madrid chairman or president, um, you know, went and got all the big names of the world. You know, you, you look at Ronaldo, Zidane, uh, Figo, Beckham. They're, they're a phenomenal team. But the the fact of the matter is they're a business too. They got themselves into superstar and brand and pushed the Madrid logo all over the world. Sponsors clamoured to get on the jerseys. Um, and I know in that time, they only won a couple of titles, but it, it just reflects how sport is a massive business. And we've got our challenges too when we look at um, grassroots cricket, you know, and also our local cricket, particularly the ODIs, Hutter. Yeah, this is awful. So 130 bucks for ODI tickets. So cricket fans have understandably, they've hit out of cricket price at the SCG after yet another bit of a sparsely populated crowd for the second ODI against the West Indies. So... It shows just how far ODI cricket has fallen in terms of priorities because it's probably Test cricket, T20, 
ODIs quite low. You'd, you'd think, wouldn't you? Yeah, absolutely. And even the ODIs are behind the big bash locally in terms of interest. Yeah. Um, and, and it's difficult too because I remember as a kid, you couldn't wait for the ODIs to start. You know, the colour, the white ball, they were sold out everywhere they went. And this is obviously there was no 2020 back then, but certainly – when you're charging 130 bucks for a game in Sydney, when it's 33 degrees and 60% humidity, um, yeah. after a test series, after a big bash series, um, no wonder the fans aren't voting, or they are voting with their feet, but not positively, negatively. And you look at the MCG, they had just over 16,000 fans in a 100,000 100, capacity stadium. So, you know, that brings flashbacks to the old COVID days in a way. So um, I think the challenge certainly is... Yeah, you know, despite the second ODI not falling on a you know school work day, there were plenty of um, seats unfilled in in that. And the SCG holds forty eight thousand. So, you know, you took at the Ticketek prices and you touched on the hundred and thirty. But if we sort of break it down, the price ranges of you know from ten dollars for an E reserve seat all the way to sixty five for an mm. A reserve junior. Well, these are four to fifteen year old prices. So you you're a family of four. Are you going to want to be you know, paying two adult tickets, you know, which effectively start, um, you know, 30 bucks through to 130 or you're paying kids $10 through to 65 So it's got to be competitive. And, and clearly, you know, it's just squeezed in to get the numbers. I just feel nowadays one-day cricket. And, yeah, you know, well, the, the World Cup was amazing. And when you've got great content, people will watch it. But when they see through it, when the West Indies haven't qualified for the World Cup recently, they come out here and tour. Um, sure, the test matches were quite uh, interesting with obviously one all in the test series. But when you roll out that sort of stuff, and particularly those prices, people are always going to buy it back. Sport is just becoming an expensive day out for a family now. And it's quite sad to see. Like an AFL game, you'd make, you know, if you're not a member, you probably spend about 150 bucks probably a game if you get your food as well as your drinks, ticket. It's just, it's a lot. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It is ridiculously priced. And, and I get it. There's cost pressures. They've got to pay for stadiums. They've got to do all that. But as soon as you lose sight of the main people who are the fans, without the fans, the game's nothing. You can be whatever you want. You can charge whatever you want. But if no one's going there, ain't buying it. You ain't making money. So interesting time. And now anyways, we, we move to a different cricket and, yeah, we, we talk about the major league cricket, which heads into its second um, season. And they're certainly getting serious because Ricky Ponting has emerged as a prime target to be the new coach of the major league cricket club, Washington Freedom, uh, over based out of Washington. So Ponting, 49, has been in discussions with the American club to take over as coach for the 2024 season. He'll replace his former Tasmanian state mentor, Greg Shippard. So Ponting coaches already in the Indian Premier League, Delhi Capitals. Earns over a million dollars a year US for that role, yep. six weeks. No worries. He remains head of strategy for the BBL Hobart Hurricanes, who have you know, struggled for quite uh, a period of time over the last few years under his watch. Um, works for the Seven Network as their chief commentator. The rumours around suggest he might be close to a million dollars for that. And Jeez. now the US-based MLC is heading into its second season and they're certainly getting serious about um, getting the best coaches around. So Ricky Ponting, great cricket mind, love listening to him commentate. Um, and they obviously want him to coach. Washington Freedom, that's the most American sport name you could possibly think of, I'd say. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Politics and freedom, eh? Washington. <laughs> yeah, she whiz. 
we uh, yeah, we head to Red Bull, and this is yeah, this could mean all sorts of things. It's not great. So Christian Horner is being investigated by Red Bull of allegations of inappropriate behaviour on a female employee. So reports from Motorsport um, total. Horner is said to have been friendly advised to voluntarily resign as a team boss and vacate his post. He's denied all the allegations, but it could mean a whole heap of stuff for Red Bull. Yeah, and this is this he is the Grand Poobah of Red Bull in terms of not the owners, but he runs all their F1 stuff. He's married to Jerry Halliwell, the former uh, Spice Girl. Um, so he is, you know, effectively uh, overseen and, and, and celebrated the, the three championships that they've won by Max Verstappen and the um, Constructors' Championships as well. So that certainly is, whilst it's not actually the business of sport, it, it's going to have huge ramifications if these uh, allegations are proven correct. Head to the Super Bowl and wowee. So next week, Super Bowl, everyone's going to be hooked. People that I thought couldn't give two stuffs about the NFL are watching. So here we are, Super Bowl week, and there's always a big lot of money around Super Bowl traders. Oh, there is. Yeah, San Francisco, um, Kansas City, two of the most hated teams by everyone other than their fans. So that's going to be interesting. <laughs> and Hutto, the ticket pricing, which is the huge bit. Average secondary ticket market listing for an NFL's title game, right, set for Feb 11, uh, in Vegas, has reached $10,752 oh. a ticket. So this that's... is the highest non-COVID figure price ever tracked for, for a Super Bowl. This was like that's like re, that's resale tickets, isn't it? Second yeah, that, that's your market. second. So people are buying them and they're hocking them on the market. So that's thanks to Ticket IQ. Then Ticket Pick is another uh, mob who have sort of revealed some information. They're saying the average purchase price for a Super Bowl ticket thus far has reached nine thousand eight hundred fifteen per ticket. Oh my so god! That's the average people are buying them for. They're now sitting at ten thousand seven hundred fifty-two, and also the recorded figure is seventy percent higher than a year ago. You know, and we touch on, too, that it's Kansas City Chiefs, uh, Travis Kelsey, apparently going out with some well-known music superstar and Taylor Swift. Yeah. Um, so we're looking at, in terms of potential mix of the competing team's fan base, plus you throw in the sizzling um, host market. It wasn't so long ago everyone said the F1 at Las Vegas wasn't going to work out. It was unbelievable. They were wrapped with it. Audience share was massive. And obviously, um, the relationship with Taylor Swift has brought in a new fan base. And we talked about that last week on The Big mm. Deal. Um, the 49ers, meanwhile, have the NFL's sixth largest social media following of, of NFL teams. Uh, it's the first ever Super Bowl in Vegas. So the largest single event in US sports history. So we talk about TV audience, money audience for sport. Annually, the Super Bowl beats everywhere in the world. The only yeah. thing that beats it is every four years is the Olympics. So another powerful indicator on this one is the historic appeal. So low end get in price begins at more than seven bucks, also ranking in the highest 7, ever. There are seven <laughs> more than seven thousand dollars, also ranking in almost the highest ever figures for a Super Bowl played under normal conditions. And you might have even seen too out of the pitch on this one. They can wheel it out into the car park. Oh. They roll out the whole pitch underneath the stand out in the car park so it can be watered, painted, prepared, mowed, and in Jeez. full sunlight. And then 48 hours before the game, the match, the Super Bowl, they'll roll it in underneath the stadium. It's this like this stuff Madrid is stadium spoke about. It's ridiculous. But And then we talk about the commercial 
buy because everyone remembers the Super Bowl ad, don't they? Yeah. There's some, it can make or break a business, to be fair. Mm. Um, they're saying that advertising space has been sold out since November last year, 2023. So the Hollywood Reporter has, has gone on to report that. $7 million for a 30-second ad during the game. Good grief. $7 million. Now, we know that there's ads already going to be coming from Lionel Messi, uh, Jenna Ortega, Doritos commercial, and even surprisingly, not surprisingly, Bud Light's trying to get back in shape after blowing (laughs) blowing themselves apart with their latest campaign. Oh, my God. But $7 million for 30 seconds, you'd want to make it work because, as we say, depending on the ad, sometimes the researchers say that it actually can cost hundreds of millions of dollars if their ad doesn't resonate and isn't entertaining enough for the audience. A lot of people actually sometimes watch the Super Bowl just for the ads because they're quite entertaining. <laughs> it's more entertaining than games sometimes. It's actually crazy, isn't it? But oh, look at the prize money that these blokes are going to get. If the winners get 164000 that's just if you win. And that's on top of conference championship, winning the divisional round. So if, so if the uh, 49ers were to uh, win... They their players would bring in a postseason bonus of three hundred thirty three grand. Yeah, and this is funny because like whilst you you can go to your Patrick Mahomes or whoever or Kelsey who are on you know I think Mahomes is on something like twenty five million US. Mm. It's not going to matter to him, but there's a lot of people on the on the edge of it that they'll actually end up making more than their roster um, because a lot of the big boys are on the big contracts actually go by week by week contracts from the post match. Right. Um, but yeah, so and, and you work out too. How's this? I don't eligibility for players for full bonuses include those on a fifty-three man roster have also been on the roster for previous three games. So if you got dropped, you're still getting paid, right? Not bad. Yeah, veterans who are placed on the injured reserve during the regular season who are still under contract. So if you're nursing a recon, you're getting paid, That's right? Good. Vested veterans four or more years who are placed on the injured reserve during the preseason. And who remain under contract. So you could have been sidelines from the preseason. You're still getting paid. Not bad. Yeah. And players who are not on the 53-man roster, but who spent at least eight games with the team who aren't under contract with another team in the same conference. So you could get your ass sacked, play eight games, get flicked, and you're still getting paid. You'd be sitting on the couch watching, just cheering for your payday. Getting paid. Eating wings, ribs. Bud Light or whatever you want, if you don't like Bud Light, <laughs> and you're still getting paid. Reef, there's just an amazing amount of money in US sport. And the Taylor Swift impact, this is, this oh, is insane. Oh, you've got to always throw this in, don't you? Absolutely, I do. So a survey of 2,000 US customers finds that fully 16% of Americans say the fact that Taylor Swift has been showing up at Kansas City Chiefs games will almost certainly be at the Super Bowl a week has influenced them to spend money on football. So they don't even like footy, but they're spending it because the Swifty says get around it. Yep. So, yeah, so they estimated there were 335 million Americans alive on January 1, so 16% would mean 53 million people would have spent money on something. Are buying something. Yeah, but if so, you're buying something and you wanted to be a Swifty, what would you buy? Yeah, so if you spend, say, 30 bucks on football, that's one of them. Like, if yeah. all of those are spending 30 bucks, they're at $1.5 billion. Wow. Not bad. And luxury suite will set you back to two and a half million. 
That's for 20 tickets to parking passes, food and beverage included. I'd want some gold on my stake with that. 20 tickets for yep. two and a half million US. Yep. For a 20 ticket box. Yep. 125 grand a person. You'd want to get there early. By early, I mean like two weeks. So, what, so what's that? <laughs> That's, That's nearly 200 grand Aussie per person, yeah. per yeah. ticket. That's insane. Wow. That's genuinely insane. Speaking of insane, but this bloke, I think, is actually taking a pay cut. We go to soccer and Kylian Mbappe set the song Real Madrid in the least surprising thing in the world. Like, if you think Lewis Hamilton was a surprise, this is the complete opposite end. Yeah. Um, but he isn't officially signed, but it's been reported by uh, Le Parisien and uh, ESPN that he's expected to announce the move next week. He's expected to earn his salary lower than those of 2022. Um with the sources telling the publication that he had been tabled a 130 million euro signing bonus and a salary of 26 million euros per year in 2022. So his wages will be lower than that and apparently half of what he earns at PSG. Yeah, wow. wow. A yeah, bloke it's... who's paid incredibly well is not technically chasing the cash. He's chasing a dream that he's had because he's always wanted to play for Real Madrid. And also, too, this is where uh, Florentino Perez, their um, president, has come out and was interesting because before he re-signed, no one expected him last time to re-sign with Paris Saint-Germain. You remember that? He was all yes. set to go to Madrid and Madrid had offered him telephone numbers. But obviously, um, you know, Madrid had got their superstars anyway. Bellingham has uh, been signed for over $100 million from Borussia Dortmund, dominating. So he's going to have to come in and fit into this setup as opposed to being the main man, even though he quickly become one of the main men anyway. But yeah, when you can... Uh, I mean, you can rock up and get a $130 million sign-on bonus. That takes away some of the pressure on the long-term earnings. But he's got that much money, it doesn't matter. And he, if it is reported that he follows through with these intentions, then you know, I think it'll set the soccer world alight and wouldn't really be a surprise to anyone, would it? No, not at all. And you know what? He's a superstar. So it's going to be another huge signing for Real Madrid when it eventually does happen. Well, as I said before, least surprising thing ever. Now, this is one of the more interesting ones that, Across here, Treaders. So it's a bit of a historical one. So breaking down a massive mistake, well, one of the probably biggest marketing mistakes you could make, and that's Nike with Steph Curry. Yeah, and it's cost them $14 billion. Have a listen to this one. And we go back in history here a little bit to how Steph Curry ended up leaving Nike, which he's always worn Nike as a kid, right? Signed his first four-year deal that lasted until 2013, which was his last breakout year. But before that time... You know, his first three years in the NBA, uh, Golden State had struggled, hadn't played playoffs. So how a kid who wore Nike his whole career, signed with Nike, ends up leaving Nike. Have a listen to this one. Mm-hmm. So we had pictures from other brands. He was coming to coming out of contract with that Nike uh, deal in 2013. And Nike was left with the last right of refusal, match yep. his offer or whatever. So if Reebok, whoever, come in with a telephone number, Nike could match it or if they chose not to, he goes on to whoever he signs with. So... His father, who's a former NBA player, Del Curry, met with the Oakland Marriott Hotel, which is the same building of where the Warriors actually practice, right? So with Steph as well. So Nike, just to understand some of how they structured up their deal, they have tiered athletes. So their top-tiered athletes at the time were Kobe Bryant, Kevin Durant, LeBron James. Pretty self-explanatory. So both Steph and his father understood that he wasn't a top-tier player. So it came down to a Nike presentation where Curry's family actually felt the first piece of disrespect um, in this presentation where they actually mispronounced his name, calling him Steph N, not Steph On. 
So that was part of this. And they thought, oh, we'll let that go. But to make matters worse, no one really corrected it. So it became clear to the Curry camp that they weren't be seen as, in Nike's eyes, as having that much value compared to others. And given the unproven players' development camps, so Nike would have those, that was sort of an entertainment stage where it's not the top boys, but the next tier, the Anthony Davis, Kyrie Irvings, and hopefully Steph Curry, were involved in these camps where our big celebrity camps, superstar young NBA players on the up, will go give back to the community. This certainly appealed to him. But Nike made a fatal mistake. When you're giving a presentation, Hutto, and you've got a PowerPoint presentation, you yeah. should check it before you deliver it. Because this PowerPoint presentation that was delivered to the Currys had a slide featuring oh, no. Kevin Durant's name oh, on it. Yeah, they used the one. same presentation but forgot to change the name. Oh, that's dumb. So Curry decided, well, it's fair to say maybe my future's not at Nike, even though he's always worn Nike in college. He signed with Nike in his first deal out of, um, of with the NBA out of the draft. And Nike tabled a $2.5 million deal. The Currys felt, well, let's go to market. We think we're worth more than that. And bear in mind, this is just to wear footwear. Yeah. So little do they know that Under Armour comes along. They go to market and Under Armour, which was new to basketball, offered $4 million. So Nike had the right to match. Nike didn't match it, becoming one of the biggest marketing mistakes ever made. Because having a listen to this, immediately Under Armour's stock went from $47 a share to $120 a share US dollars, right? Doubled from $14 billion to their value to $28 billion in value. Yep. Just from signing one kid, Under Armour offered him a deal he couldn't refuse. Not long after, golfer Jordan Spieth signed on as well. In 2020, Under Armour signed a deal as the sole provider for Major League Baseball jerseys. Curry, and realising how valuable he was becoming, Under Armour came to him and said, hey, we're not going to do a Nike. We're going to sign this guy up long term. <laughs> right? As part of his new deal, Curry is offered a part ownership in Under Armour, and thanks to the major baseball league deal and the money coming in off that, they could see his deal rise to be worth $1 billion. Oh, my gosh. Right? So right now as we speak, this was as the 1st of January this year, right? Yep. Curry's shoe is now the second biggest shoe selling in the US. The only one, he sells more than Kobe, LeBron and KD, and he's second behind Michael Jordan. Yep. Wow. Talk about biting in the pocket. Just, yeah. Call him Stefan instead of Stefan. Leave a Kevin Durant slide in the presentation. You only offer two and a half million. It's worked out. It's cost you about 14 billion bucks. I shouldn't laugh because someone at Nike did that and they probably lost their job. Oh, well, be more careful. Care fact, <laughs> through the roof now, I bet they go through those presentations to find teeth going. But that's all from us this week. That's, uh, yeah, that's a nice lesson to check everything. But um, like, comment, subscribe, do all that jazz, and we shall see you next week, won't we, Traders? Done. See you then.
Thanks for tuning in to this episode of The Big Deal. Before you go, don't forget to join our community by subscribing for free at www.thebigdeal.au and get a weekly email bringing together the hottest sports deals, breaking sports biz news as it happens and much more. Join me at www.thebigdeal.au.